Engaged and Inspired Podcast. A simple warning, we may drop an F-bomb or other descriptive words just in case you have small children with you or are at work. We know many of you are planning right now from your cubicle. You've been warned. The Engaged and Inspired Podcast. And now your hosts, Kia and DJ Sam. The Engaged and Inspired Podcast. This is DJ Sam. And this is Kia. I don't know why we're saying this that way. And we have a special guest. She's been here once before, and we're so happy to have her return. It's Mary Coburn. Hello. I'm Th- delighted to be here. Thanks for coming back. Yes. Most I'm- people don't. They- <laughs> <laughs> now, if for those of you who don't know, um, Mary is an officiant. You've been doing weddings for how many years? Ten years. Ten years. Still feel like that should be a lot longer, but okay. <laughs> so we're going to talk about um, what people should be looking for when they're looking for an officiant. I know it's a process. It shouldn't just be based on their price point, which I know I deal a lot with. People do. People say, oh, how much is an officiant? And it's like, well, it depends on what you're looking for. It can't cost that much. They're only reading. Yes. Well, yeah, and they're only there for half an hour. The most important part of the whole reason we're all there. But anyways, so what do you sort of start out with? Like when you're suggesting, I mean, obviously, what makes you special as an officiant? Well, unless a couple has a pastor or rabbi or imam who is doing the ceremony, they will be they will be searching the web usually or talking to other people who've been married and maybe they're they've been to weddings and they liked the officiant. But most of the time they'll be looking online and it can be a very daunting experience to yes. look for an officiant. The first thing is to figure out what you want. Do you have particular needs for religious inclusions in the ceremony did you come from a particular faith tradition that's important to you or um, important to your family or important to your family to have honored Um, if that's the case you might want to look for um, a minister a non-denominational minister interfaith minister or a minister that's specific to your particular Mm -hmm. faith Faith. tradition that is not to say that jps won't also include um, certain spiritual religious elements they can but your best bet is to look first for a minister, an interfaith minister. You also really need to, I think it's good to talk to many um, and to ask certain questions about their experience and what what is their training. (laughs) Um, It's very easy to become an ordained minister. You go online, you pay $10, and that's it. I think it's up to 20. Oh, is it 20 It might be 20. Okay. And in, in Connecticut... You are legally authorized to solemnize a marriage, but that doesn't mean you have any experience. So when couples go looking, they need to ask, what is your background? Did you study to do this? How many weddings have you done? How many weddings have you done? Can I see your reviews? And I think that's... I think that's always a very mm-hmm. telling thing, particularly if the reviews come directly from the couple, yes. perhaps not on the person's website, but from another source like The Notch or Wedding Wire. I think. Or even they could ask to even speak to one of your past couples as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. And what's your background then? How did you become an officiant? Well, I, uh, I, was, I trained as an actor in New York, so I have a background of... Um, in theater, which means that I have an ability to speak to a group of people, and I, I know how to communicate effectively. Um, I studied uh, 
ceremony, the nature and art of ceremony and ritual through the Celebrant Foundation and Institute in Montclair, New Jersey. That was excellent training, and it, and it took me a year and a half to to study, to, to go through the program with them, and then further study to become certified in weddings. And in that certification was... Um, uh, learning about all the different uh, faith traditions and their rituals mm. and how to thoughtfully weave rituals into a wedding ceremony that's appropriate. Um, you can't... Um, can't just drop a prayer wherever you want Right, it. <laughs> and you can't appropriate certain rituals that are sacred to that uh, particular tradition. Yep. Right. Um, so how do you thoughtfully weave things in, whether those are quotes or readings or rituals? Or, or sometimes even just sharing the nature of where it the quote came from or the prayer comes exactly. from with everybody who's there. So it's not just sort of just dropped upon them. Right, right. Um, it needs to uh, fit within the context of the ceremony. Um, so having studied that, um, I, I was, I had some, I had the educational background and then I became um, an ordained interfaith minister through a small congregation of interfaith ministers. We took our vows uh, to serve individuals and couples and families. We didn't take our vows to serve any particular God. Right. Um, and so that approach is is wonderful and very inclusive. So people can approach me, whatever their faith tradition or cultural tradition as well, So um, and feel comfortable that I'm a neutral voice. I'm there to Guide create them through a it. ceremony that, that reflects who they are. Not so what I are am. some of the questions that you like to ask couples so you get this story? Well, when I when I sit down with a couple for the first time, I, I want to know, I ask a, a, a million questions about <laughs> where they grew up and what their, if, do they have faith traditions that are important to them or their family? How did they meet? How did they fall in love? What when was their, did they know they fell in love? Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm taking copious notes, but when a couple decides to move forward with me, I also send them a lot of questions that some of them I've already asked, but it's very interesting because they will often answer them differently when they're typing out their answers as opposed to meeting with me at hmm. a Panera Bread and having coffee. Do you give them it separately or they have to they're, complete it together? They're the same questions, but I send it to them separately okay. and I ask them to... Um, to answer them separately and Good. not share their answers until after they're married, yep. simply because they will be more candid with yep. me and they know that their spout, their their partner is not looking over their, their shoulder and correcting right. them. Um, like that's not how it happened. <laughs> so it's it's wonderful to get their perspective on on how they met, but also even beyond that. It's how their life is different because of this other person. And, you know, ideally, we all marry partners who bring out the best in us. And that's something that I really like to focus on in the ceremony is what what qualities does this person bring out in you? And what do you appreciate about them? So you get these elements of story. And you also get the, I think, deeper context this is why they're there. Mm. Um, so you you get a combination of, of story and the poignancy of what yes. it means yes. to be in love and to be committing themselves to a life, building a life together. Yes. So that's a good. I mean, those are questions that I think sometimes people don't think about. 
what are all of the reasons we're there? They're thinking it's just a ceremony. It's just going to be 10, 15 minutes long. Right. We're going to say some meaningful things. We're going to exchange a ring and boom, off to the party. Right. And yeah. so now when it comes to doing sort of a ring exchange, how do you, what's your sort of favorite way of doing that? Do you like it when like the best man has one and the maid of honor has one or vice versa or whoever's the main person who's standing next to them? Yeah, it, it really, this is a logistical thing that's that's very important. For example, I I don't like a ring bearer to carry the real rings. Oh, absolutely not. Please, no. Nope. Um, sometimes it does happen if the if the ring bearer is a little bit older and maybe he has a box for the rings and maybe Still he's been training for this. Um, but, I mean, really, ideally, the, the uh, maid of honor would have one ring and the best man. But it's often difficult, I find, for the maid of honor to carry a ring. Yeah, Having pockets. had this experience myself of carrying... A bouquet? Uh, when I was getting married, I had my husband-to-be's ring on my finger. Uh, and during the ceremony, it fell uh, off. And I stepped on it. And it was we were on soft ground. And we, I stepped on the ring without knowing it. So when it came... Now, there was only three of us there. So it was just, it wasn't in front of 150 (laughs) people. But I stepped on the ring without knowing. And when it came time to put the ring on his finger, I didn't have it. It It had slipped off my my thumb. So um, I have a thing about, you know. Who's got it? Yeah, if the maid of honor has pockets, then she can do it. But usually in here, I'm glad you asked that because I have a very specific thing I do. I have a small black zippered pouch. And this is, I always do this in rehearsal with the best man. And I say, I'm going to bring this pouch to you tomorrow. You're going to take the rings from the boxes. You're going to put them in the pouch. <laughs> You're going to zip it and you'll put it in your pocket. Yes. That way it's flat. That way you lose against, both of them at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no big box that, that's in their pants that's looking funny and is. Well, the other thing that people don't think about is your maid of honor is carrying their own bouquet. And typically one of their duties is to sort of fix your dress when you get up there and then they take your bouquet yeah so they have multiple yeah they have a lot of things to do they they're they're fixing the train they're doing they've got a handful so i usually have the best man have both rings did have a really sweet wedding where both of the fathers got up and brought the ring for the opposite person and i I thought that that was a really sort of touching meaningful touching thing i like that i think i'm going to use that stolen stolen that's fine that's great i would just like shared you know three percent royalty (laughs) every time you do that Just, just you know, I'll let the lawyers know. Don't worry. We'll draft up some paperwork. One of the things that I'm assuming that you ask is how much are their families going to be involved in this if they're going to have readers? And when we come back, you're going to answer that for me. Be engaged and inspired. We'll be right back. Do you like goats? Do you like farms? Want to get married at a goat farm? Bradley Mountain Farm, located in Southington, Connecticut, is the perfect location for your wedding. Choose from a lakeside or field ceremony. From intimate gatherings of 25 up to 300 tented, Bradley Mountain Farm is the perfect venue. Find us online at engagedct.com. Hi, I'm Dave Noonan from Modern Photographic, and I listen to the Be Engaged and Inspired podcast on iTunes Podcast and Google Play. 
And you should too. Thank you for making Barabalt Jewelers your wedding jewelry destination. From your engagement to wedding day, we've got you covered with engagement rings, wedding bands, and wedding party gift ideas. We welcome you to make an appointment and visit our styling lounge in our store. Barabalt Jewelers in Glastonbury, Connecticut. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook or at barabaltjewelers.com. Live musicians, custom lighting, and photo booths. When your wedding entertainment has to have the amazing music be fun, organized, and unforgettable. Your choice has to be Atmosphere Production. Experience the difference. www.atmosphere-productions.com That www.atmosphere-productions.com DJs, live musicians, custom lighting, and photo booths. Atmosphere Productions. Some knowledge belongs to us and us alone. The way our girlfriends walk, talk, touch their hair. Details that only a sister can know about her girls. But what about our other girls? The ones we carry with us every day. Our bond with our sister girls gives life. But knowing your breasts can save it. Go to knowyourgirls.org for the facts you need on breast health. Brought to you by Susan G. Coleman and the Ad Council. Now back to Be Engaged and Inspired with your hosts, Kia and DJ Sam. Be Engaged and Inspired, this is DJ Sam. This is Kia, and we still have Mary here, who's going to answer my last question. How do you involve your family or your friends into saying, I don't know, doing a reading or something? Because they're not taking part in the wedding in a different way. The first thing I ask a couple is if they have people that they want, very special people like maybe their Uncle Charlie or Aunt Sally, to be involved in the ceremony. So we first identify what they need. Um, If they have friends from college that they'd like involved, um, and then we can either introduce the idea of a reading or a ritual or something like Mm -hmm. that. Now, one thing that I really stress to couples is that they aren't obligated in any way (laughs) to have readings. There is always a feeling that, well, I guess guess we need a reading or two or three. And I I say, no, you don't. (laughs) What is the reason to choose a reading? Because you want your Uncle Charlie, who's very special in your life, to come up and be part of the ceremony in this special way. So then the choice of reading is very important. I have a wonderful collection of prose and poetry that I send to couples, unless they are already have something in mind. But un, un, under no circumstances is it obligatory. Is it a perfunctory thing? So I always tell couples, the only thing that you really need to do is to say, I do. The rest <laughs> of it is it's a clean slate. We create your ceremony based on what you want. You are so not, you're not filling in the blanks. Absolutely. You're not obligated to have a reading or a ritual. But a ritual is often something that is a wonderful opportunity to involve other people. So rituals could be something like um they could be unity um, candle. A tie a right tying the knot, which mm-hmm. is also called mm-hmm. a hand fasting and officiants typically will have very different ways of doing mm-hmm. that. Um, I call mine a hand fasting light. I don't include any of the archaic language that is often included in hand fastings, but it's a way to include family members. Um, This is an ancient Celtic ritual where two people have their hands 
tied uh, with ribbons at the end of the ceremony. I've seen people include their children to do the yes, tying, which the I tying, think is sweet. Um, and, and usually, if there aren't children involved, I often will have mothers. The, mm-hmm. the mothers come up and share in the tying of the knot, because it's just a lovely metaphor for the bringing together of two families. Um, anytime you want a ritual that involves a candle, you have to figure out, well, where will I be? Are we doing the <laughs> ceremony inside? If that's the case, great. Um, outside, it's not a good idea. So, also, a pro tip: test the lighter. Absolutely, and have matches yes. as a backup. Yeah, always have. <laughs> or matches just don't as do it outside. Or yes. Don't. Yeah, I, I've only done candles outside one time because a couple absolutely needed it, had to have it, and we got big lanterns. Uh, to put the candles in, and it and it worked. Of course, okay. they forgot to, to bring the candles uh, to the wedding, so the best man was off to CVS to get the candles. <laughs> Good old CVS. You need to have those props and everything there on the rehearsal day. Yes. But that's uh, rituals and creating new rituals. Um, one thing I try to steer a couple away from uh, are doing rituals that have been seen and done a million times. Mm-hmm. They kind of lose their potency. They become a little cliche. And if they have no meaning to if your... If they have no meaning, they have no meaning. If you don't like the beach, you should not be boring like a sand ceremony where right. you're boring two right. different right. colored... Right. Know. And if, you, if you're doing a sand ceremony, because that's very meaningful to you, how right. do you make it more meaningful and more personal? Um, I had a couple where they had grown up on... They had each grown up on the shore. So they went back to their hometowns and they brought, they brought sand oh. from oh, so the beaches sweet. where they grew up. Not from Michael's Craft Store? Not from <laughs> Michael's Craft Store. Not the pink and the purple, which often when they're combined together, they look kind of like a big bruise yeah um so you know these are the logistics that you, you think of you also have african-american weddings where you have jumping the broom. jumping yes. the broom so if that's not in your culture don't start it right exactly there are there are rituals that can be misappropriated yep. uh, culturally so and with the jumping of the broom that's a lovely opportunity to to involve family in decorating yep. the broom ahead of time so there are also there are all kinds of creative things that can happen um there's a ritual of uh, with blessing stones, and that's a, a great way of involving people, either passing them out, taking them up. Um, I've seen people pass around the rings to be blessed. Yeah, I, I that do makes that. me a little sweaty and yeah. nauseous. Well, but that's, I'll, I'll let me tell you. But you do it in a bag, I know. Yeah, you do it in a bag. I've I've done this several times over the years, and I have um, I know the pitfalls of it. So I always have certain security measures that I put in place <laughs> with the pouch, and I never do it with, when there's more than 150 guests. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. it, it won't it, be back it, in time. No, yeah. and and if it's not even with 100 guests, yeah. if it's not back in time, I. I always have a plan B Which so is. that you're not up there going, oh, this how is do taking I talk forever. slower? You know, <laughs> no, you, you always have, anytime you have a ritual, you have to figure out what can go wrong mm-hmm. and then figure out how to make it right in that moment because you can't stop a ceremony and back it up. Yeah. You know, you have to keep moving forward. So I always think, and this comes from my theater training, what happens when you're on stage and you reach for a prop that's not that there? Mm-hmm. You need to know how to improvise to yep. get back on, on script. Yep. So, And a lot of times if something like that happens, the guests aren't even aware that anything's no, happened because you've just smoothly 
continued for exactly yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's the sign of a professional right (laughs) i I always tell my my clients there's only three people that actually know exactly what's happening that's me the dj and in your case the officiant and the bride and the groom or the couple yeah there might be a fourth it's called a wedding planner (laughs) just just gonna put that out there but sometimes we don't tell you all the details no typically i know all of the details and i don't share them with everybody because you just never know but but that's the point of being a professional yes is that if you go off script i know that you've gone off script yeah but nobody else does yeah exactly yeah and that's why you're not you know if you see that they're struggling to light their candle or do something you background music background music and you're paying attention you're not just you didn't just push a button and let that one song play and hope that that was enough or if all of a sudden i don't know everybody got up really quick and lit the candle and sat right back down you're able to fade that back out absolutely and i feel the strength of of that partnership with with other wedding professionals when there's a wedding planner i know i'm not up there alone essentially and and a dj who's paying attention you know i not just setting the volume level and walking away you know you're there you're involved and i and you're not setting something up in a totally different part of the venue (laughs) right just gonna put that out there too so that's another thing that we were going to talk about is the microphones Mm -hmm. that's another thing that's that you know when you choose your officiant you've got to make sure uh, are they going to bring along microphones or is that going to be provided by the dj so what's your thoughts on microphones i have very strong opinions about (laughs) microphones uh and this is something that couples wouldn't even think to ask about so this is part of my questionnaire i feel very strongly that the sound the way sound comes to people needs to feel like an embrace it needs to feel like a hug so i love to use um, handheld microphones now i know that uh, sometimes the wireless microphones are being interfered with these days because of all of the frequencies and stuff cell phones and so yeah um so you know wired microphones are perfectly fine i love that because i feel like i have more control over the sound if i'm if i need to cough clear my throat if i'm giving the couple uh, a couple of you know instruct take take a deep breath or something it's not part of it so that's um the 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 lapel mic or the lavalier Lavalier. and she just Um, rolled her eyes yes i (laughs) I did i i really dislike them um and i feel hindered when i have to wear one i'm I'm, when i have to to. i i do it and you know but if i turn my head which i typically do because i like to make eye contact Mm -hmm. with the guests so my head is turning right and left and if it's sort of on the right side of my lapel you hear the rustle. It, it, yeah, you do. And and it picks up all the ambient noise. And the wind. And you yeah. can't have a reader come up and speak into my lapel. <laughs> I mean, I mean that you would could, be really but it weird. would be very weird and the photos would be interesting. Yes. So yeah. I like to use uh, the handheld mic. And if I have a reader or two, um, I have them come up to my stand. I use a little reading stand, which allows me to have a hand free. And I have their reading already in my ceremony folder. So they don't have to worry about carrying it or losing it. It's blown up into easy to read font. I try to make everything really seamless and easy for people. So they come up, I hand them the microphone, and they're standing right next to the the couple so it makes for great photos it's also very emotionally connected because they're standing right there and they're reading um and you know the couple it appreciates that because uh, they feel 
Absolutely. To and, and these are the things, if you're looking for an officiant, these are the things that you have to ask. Don't just assume that, oh, the officiant is going to have a microphone anyway. Right. Because I can't tell you how many times, you know, it's a month before the wedding. Oh, by the way, now we're having an, a, an officiant do it, but we don't have any sounds. Right. But if you have more than 75 people, you're going to need sound. Yeah. No yes. matter what. And I, as, as an officiant, it feels like we all have to have a backup. And I do have a little portable speaker, which I am reluctant to use because <laughs> but, but, that's not my right. job. Right. I'm not a professional sound person right. and I don't want to take responsibility for right. it. And the quality of mine same. is not the same. Yeah. So um, I don't even know. Probably the battery is dead now because I haven't used it in so many years. Um, Do you know where the charge is? Yeah, you got to charge it back up. <laughs> but I don't... Um, no, the cord where the... She has the cord and I don't feel like it. the sound is, is good. And also, I... It kind of excludes a, a, an important team member mm-hmm. from this whole thing. But, but sometimes you have to, maybe a client can't afford it. I and mean, on a budget, wherever they ask you to, to, to do that. Yeah, I've but, done but backyard that, weddings when right. I've had, uh, I've used my own system. Well, I, I used it for my nephew's wedding. Right. Weddings. These are all the type of questions go into asking when you're looking for efficient. Or whoever you're working with. I mean, ultimately, this is an important part. It's the reason everybody's there that day. So you being able to communicate the story of why we're there is very important. It's important for the guests who are there. And obviously, it's important for the couple. And without that, you know. Well, then we could just be at a backyard party. Exactly. Right. Well, I appreciate you coming back in today. Remember, you can download us off of iTunes and Google Play. You can find us on Facebook uh, at our Be Engaged and Inspired group page. And Mary, just before we depart, what is your website again? MaryCoburn.com. And my phone number is 860-519-4127. And you serve all over Connecticut. I do. And any last words, Sam? No, I don't think so. No, that's the first. Thanks. I hope you guys come back to listen again next week. The Engaged and Inspired podcast is copyright and produced by Atmosphere Productions in association with Engage Connecticut.